Welcome to Thought Jar, a podcast run by high school students, where guests share their unique perspectives on arts, education, society, and more. I'm Janet, your host for this episode. Joining me today is Yunli. Hello. <laughs> Do you want to introduce yourself a little? Uh, sure. So my name is Yunli. I have graduated from college, and I love watching anything animated. Hence. What we're talking about? Yes, <laughs> we are talking about Avatar: The Last Airbender. We're just going to chat about our favorite things from the show. Okay, let's start with a quick warm up. If you were in the Avatar <laughs> world, what kind of bender do you think you'll be? Okay, when I saw this question, I just laughed. I just <laughs> laughed because it's like. When you're younger, you do so many of these kinds of quizzes. Like for Harry Potter, you、oh, do, which school are you from?、Yes. Avatar, which vendor are you? But、That's, it's like after going to college, it's been a while since I've even thought about that kind of question. So it was really、mm-hmm. funny. I don't know. Just for this podcast, for this interview, I went and did three, but、oh, wow. <laughs> the results were inconclusive. <laughs> However, all the people I've talked to, two people, have told me like right off the bat that they feel like I'm an earthbender. Oh, which is like interesting. So、mm. I don't know. What do you think I am? Or do you know what bender you would be? I'm probably either water or earthbender. <laughs> I guess I don't quite feel the distance from this kind of personality quizzes. But it is already like starting to get hard to define yourself in only one category.、Mm-hmm. I think earthbender maybe because I don't really like change.、Oh. <laughs> I don't do well with change. But which seems a bit、um, opposing to waterbender. But waterbender maybe because I it seems to fit my personality. Because I'm not that I'm not super steady or very stubborn like、mm-hmm. Earthman. What do you think is the key defining characteristic of each type? I feel like the main impression I get from say like airbending is like、mm-hmm. playfulness, like hard to pin down. There was also a bit where Iroh described each of the. You're right. That's right. Airbending was it freedom? Freedom. freedom. And- Freedom and playfulness, and then water was adaptability. Correct.、Mm-hmm. Adaptability to handle change and probably more temperamental. Interesting, right? Because they're fluid, and then、uh, earth is stubborn, right? Steady. Steady, and like fire just seems very passionate. Yes, passionate. Almost mildly impetuous.、Mm. Fierce, maybe a ambitious. Bit of a temperament, ambitious.、Mm-hmm. Probably also warm. That is true.、Places. That is、yeah. true. But also, to be fair, I have、mm-hmm. never been exceptionally good at identifying what type I am, just because I am more indecisive.、Mm-hmm. But that could be a hint into my personality as well, I suppose. <laughs> I guess Earthbender does fit you in <laughs> how how you do things very steadily and、mm-hmm. in an organized and committed manner. True, but yes, I guess this is just also part of why Avatar is so fun, 
because it gives you the possibilities and the like what ifs to think、mm-hmm. about. You can just make your own associations and expand on what each of these、yes. things mean. <laughs> okay, kind of a related question, but then which element would you like to bend? Assuming it's、like, different from assuming it's different. I always feel like water is very versatile. Is it? It's just like, especially the more you watch, it feels like water can always be applied in a pinch. So I feel like, regardless of what type I am, I feel like water is quite convenient to bend.、Mm. I guess personally, I'm probably、uh, partial to air just because you can fly. <laughs>、oh, that is true. I forgot about that. <laughs> Transportation so so much easier for. Okay, I might have to revise my decision. <laughs> It's also mostly just fun. Yes. Wow, I completely forgot about the flying aspect. <laughs> hmm. I mean, water can be fun too. Maybe. Yes. It should. Water can be fun. What?、Hmm. <laughs> like one of the questions in which bender do you think you are? One of them will always be like, what animal? Oh, what is your favorite animal within the series? Like, would you rather have a badger mole? Would you rather have a dragon? Would you rather have a flying bison? Or you know, those are so obvious. Yes, so obvious. But gotta love a flying bison. Yes. Can you tell us a little about your background with the show? Like, maybe when did you first watch it, or how did you come across it? Okay. Maybe even how many times you watched it. Okay, so there was no specific instance that I recall where I remember. Oh, this is Avatar. I feel like my brother was the first one who found it and watched it,、Ooh. and I happened to see it passing by. And、Ooh. as he continued to watch it, I would catch glimpses and get hooked. Eventually, like through that kind of smattering of glimpses, I got the entire series. Afterwards, when I was older, I went back and watched it several times with friends, with family. So it's been a while. I've watched it on and off for maybe I definitely watched it before going off to college, probably in the first few years of high school, if not younger. So on and off, I've been watching it for like ten, ten years. <laughs> so I have to thank my brother for finding it. Yeah, since then it's just been really good. We've introduced it to like. Lydia, I made her watch some of it. The whole thing, I think, maybe. And I, we've introduced it to some college friends. But something always brings it back. Sounds like a really good way to get to know it. Actually, a way to bond with your siblings and also with other friends. Yes, it's really funny. Once I watched it over break, I think summer、mm-hmm. break or Christmas break, and when I went back to college, and they asked, you know, oh,、uh, during one of the classes. They'll inevitably ask, "What did you do over summer break?"、Oh. And when I said I rewatched Avatar: The Last Bender, the whole class went, "Oh yes, the <laughs> <a> good series!" <laughs> <laughs> I was surprised by the number of people who knew it. You just don't get that here. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I think it's because it recently got very popular during the. Quarantine during 2020 oh, because it's on Netflix, so a lot of people suddenly got to know about it,、mm-hmm. and the popularity kind of exploded. Yes, and it's all—it's also so oh, 
<laughs> like the the live adaptation was so bad. Oh you! <laughs> <laughs> it is. I suddenly forget the word, but it's just <sighs> so bad. I think part of why people know it is because the adaptation was so bad. Never watch it. Never. There is no movie. Yeah, <laughs> I I am so glad you have never watched it. So far as I am concerned, it doesn't exist. <laughs> I only know it from all the people saying how terrible it is. Infamous for how bad it is. <sighs> A travesty. So I first came across it because I guess I was a little bit interested in cartoons, and I would maybe sometimes browse about relevant things.、Mm -hmm. And just online, I've seen a lot of people mention、Ooh. that Avatar is a really great show. I just was very curious why people call it the best show. <laughs> <laughs> and so I went and decided to try it. And then watched it through, and it was <laughs> yes. I love that you just found it from like online, not even recommendation. It was just your own interest, and you went online and you heard it, and you're just like, "Wow, I should watch it." That's so good. I'm very happy that I found it. Yeah, and I watched it around late 2017, I think.、Mm -hmm. I guess that that's also been a few years. It is so fun to know that you've watched Avatar. It's just especially especially in China because not many people know about it,、mm. so it's just like yes. It's also very fun knowing you know. <laughs> yes, always fun, fellow animation lovers. <laughs> How would you describe Avatar? Kind of just giving a brief synopsis, maybe to those who haven't tried it yet. Ooh,、And、that that is difficult. Why would you recommend it? Is difficult. I suppose you could also help me out with these synopses.、Mm. It's really bad because I've watched it so many times. I almost I remember the introduction. It's like long、oh. ago, the four <laughs> nations lived in harmony. Yes, let's go. Okay. Long ago, the four nations lived in harmony, but everything <laughs> changed when the fire, fire nation attacked. <laughs> Only, Only the Avatar. Avatar. I'm impressed. You know this. <laughs> Only the Avatar, master of all four elements, could stop them. But when the world needed him most, he vanished. A <laughs> hundred years later,、uh, my brother and I discovered the new Avatar, an Airbender named Aang, and although his Airbending skills were Great. Okay, this part I don't remember. So <laughs>、uh, he has a long way to go. Yes, he he still has a lot to learn before he can save anyone. Yes, but, but I, I believe Aang can save the, the world. world. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, I only remember the front, but not the back. It's kind of like a mini go to to memorize. <laughs> yes, it's just so fun. Whatever it plays, especially with the addicting music, you cannot、mm. skip it. Yes. So essentially, would you say that it is a almost like a Bildung's Roman? What's a Bild? Like a coming of age kind of、mm -hmm. movie where the main character goes through growth and kind of transitions from being a child to being more of an adult. We start with Aang and Katara and Sokka, all kids, 
mm-hmm. and they all have this huge duty, but they are all very childish and immature. But over mm-hmm. the process of the show, they grow, they meet new people, they learn new things, they learn, they have more life experience, and they learn that life is not as easy or as simple as it might have once been. And by the end of it, you have vastly different characters. Um, mm-hmm. And they are all up for whatever it is that life has in store for them. But in between, you have a lot of humor. In between, you have a lot of adventures. You have a lot of the awkward moments in life that are so real, but isn't as often talked about necessarily in, say, Chinese media. Mm-hmm. Like that's a much better synopsis than what I came up with. <laughs> I just came up with set in the fantasy world of four elements. Very important. A, a kid and friends has to go on a journey to stop a hundred year war and save the world. And That's have perfect. Adventures along the way. <laughs> you mentioned key areas that I completely forgot, like the four elements, saving the world, hundred year war, all very important. <laughs> you got it. For viewing. Yes, you co- you've covered the plot and setting, and I've covered the themes. Perfect. Good. Perfect teamwork. Yes. Now, a warning for those who haven't watched it yet we shall move into full spoilers. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Yes, do stop here if you haven't watched it yet. Unless you like spoilers. Yes, unless. You. But I, I wouldn't recommend it. <laughs> Yes, again, spoilers from here on out. When you're first watching it, is there a moment when you realize this is great and you're invested? Although, I mean, now that you've described how you came to know it, it might be hard to pin down one. So I have a really soft spot for 2D animation. Mm. Because that's what I grew up with. Mm. (laughs) So, like, veering off a little from Avatar, like, the films that I grew up with were, like, Tarzan. Atlantis, Simbad, Brother Bear, Spirit. Yes. <laughs> They're all such classics. And it's all 2D. And, well, mostly 2D. And so the further we get go along in animated films, nowadays it's mostly like more 3D and CGI. And they're also good. But I feel like there's a certain beauty that I love about 2D. Also because I'm a particularly nostalgic person. I love to go back and watch old things that I watched as a kid. So part, I think, of what first drew me into Avatar is the 2D drawing style. And it's one, also most of the time, it's lighthearted. Because as a kid, you like to watch things that are fun. And that's what hooks me. As well as a film about bending elements. I think at that point in time, there hasn't... I feel like there still isn't much about um, a world where you control elements. Like, there's magic, mm-hmm. there is fantasy, but the very unique combination of real and unreal in Avatar mm-hmm. is what captivated me at the very beginning, I think. Would you expand a bit more on the combination of real and unreal? Okay, happily. So I also love fantasy. Dragons, magic, fairies. Yes. <laughs> All good things. So I love that. And usually those things are set in a completely different universe. Lord of the Rings, Harry Potter. Usually they're, they're a completely different world with a completely different language. But Avatar, even though the concept is very different, it is still based in real world. Like, you know, you live in a village. 
You live in a city. You have people who sell cabbages. <laughs> and it's not so far off. There's no like hocus pocus, abracadabra magic. It's based in the very real world element. The elements that we know, fire, water, earth, air, like we have out here. And the setting, even though it's different from what we know now, it's still very much from like ancient China or like the Eskimos. The inspiration is all from history. And even the animals within, even though they're completely, <laughs> completely made up, but it's like they combine a turtle duck, a badger mole. <laughs> and so even though it's completely fantastic and that they could never exist here, we don't burn elements. We don't have turtle ducks, but they are still so many, so many elements from what we know. And so it's the eye-opening, creativity-inspiring, like how do we take something we know and combine it in a completely innovative way, mm. which I love. It tickles like a certain nerve in my brain that just makes me really happy. I guess when I first realized I'm invested, mm -hmm. it's more. I think it was the episode "The Storm" in mm -hmm. season one. Okay. Because when I started watching, I feel like I'm still not appreciative of complexities, or just, or or maybe how I view cartoons and shows is still a bit surface mm -hmm. level. I don't notice as much as I can now. Initially, it was the world building that hooked me and. Mm -hmm. I didn't really connect to the characters yet, mm -hmm. but when the storm came along, the the storytelling in that episode, mm -hmm. I just really love how they um entwined the two storylines yes. together, kind of the yes. flashbacks and the present, and also just the backstories mm -hmm. add a lot more to the characters. Yeah. How they became who they are and what they may be capable of doing, mm -hmm. and it just intrigued me so much. And I think I really started want wanting to know what happens. Next. Mm, yes, <laughs> I recently rewatched that. But you're right; it was like the parallel between these two drastically different characters. It's like even though one is trying to kill the other, <laughs> one is trying to save the world, but through like the good storytelling. It's like you feel that they are more similar than you would have ever thought. So you become invested. <laughs> That's a great answer. So let's talk a little bit more about favorites, I guess. Do you have a favorite character or a favorite character arc and mm. why? Okay. This is kind of a hard question because favorites are hard to choose. Is it? Because then you have to get down to what is what defines your favorite, mm. right? It's like, is it the character you think is the most pleasing to the eye? Is it the character you most resonate with? Or the character that makes you ridiculously happy whenever they come on screen? Okay, that's a good point. So, it's hard for me to choose. So I was thinking about it. I'm like, hmm, if I had a favorite character. And I was going through the classic choices. Because, you know, <laughs> Uncle Iroh, iconic. Everybody loves Uncle Iroh. So wise, so calm. And then he has Zuko, who obviously has, in my personal opinion, or and the uh, vast majority believes that he has one of the most amazing character arcs. Mm. But I would say probably if I really had to choose a favorite character where every time he comes on screen, I'm just happy. And it's just I love everything that they do. It's probably Appa. Because Appa is low-key the MVP. He literally carries them. <laughs> yes, he carries them through the whole story. And he even has a mini arc of his own, right? That episode was so sad. Yeah, so sad. 
But through it all, he is so steady. He is so loyal. And so cute. So cute! <laughs> Even when he stands up and talks. Oh, one of their fever dreams. So funny! <laughs> like, I feel like Appa is the Samwise Ganji. That's a good comparison. Right? Of Avatar. Yeah. You have a favorite? Um, I guess it would be more conventional. I also find it hard to define and pick favorite. I ended up deciding on a favorite just based on how, like, after the fact, how much when I'm remembering the show, mm-hmm. which parts I'm focusing on. Or, That's a really or good way to think of it. Which parts intrigue me the most. Yeah. And I guess it, it would be Zuko. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. But why, why, like, what would you think of it? I think I just find his personal journey very compelling mm-hmm. and just he's confused about himself. He has mm-hmm. a lot of internal conflicts mm-hmm. and inconsistencies. I feel like that's well, it's quite relatable mm-hmm. to me. And I also found just his ability to never give up in like yes. anything very I guess inspiring and just overall his that he found the strength to be himself and mm-hmm. to stand up against his father, etc. Mm-hmm. Just forge his maybe his own path in life and make that choice. I think I just overall found it a very compelling yes. journey, even just to watch. Mm-hmm. Oh yes, I, I also found his arc very thematically cool. It's his redemption kind of reflects the redemption of the fire nation. So he is mm-hmm. learning to find his honor, mm-hmm. to restore his honor, but he also shows the possibility that the fire nation can also be like, brought back to the to a place of honor. Mm-hmm. And also because he underwent this journey by the end of the series we have faith that he could mm-hmm. guide the nation yes. to a better place that's that so was true just, that was just really cool to see unfold yeah I, that's a really good answer because mm-hmm. so often I've considered Zuko as like his own character right but I never thought of how his arc reflects the journey of the Fire Nation from one of destruction and rage and mm-hmm. dominance to more of like balance and reverting to more of Uncle Iroh's standpoint of mm-hmm. we all need each other and we all need to learn from each other, like the four elements in harmony. Mm-hmm. Wow. We got to love Zuko. It's true. Zuko has some of the most memorable moments. Like, okay, they all have their pros, like A, yeah. okay, he goes from child. Oh, yes. Sokka's though is also really interesting. Mm. Because if you think about it, out of the entire group, mm. he is the sole non-bender. It's like, you have Aang, who bends air, Katara, and he's the avatar. You have mm-hmm. Katara, who bends water, Zuko with fire, Toph with earth. Mm-hmm. And then there's Sokka. And we could say, okay, he brings the logistics, he keeps them on track. But he also essentially goes on his own journey to like, yeah, and he's also the comic relief. But through it all, he also doesn't lose necessarily like confidence in himself, and he still is able to find his own way of contributing and finding value in what he does. That's impressive. I guess Saga has a more less dramatic, although mm-hmm. it, it still has it's still meaningful, although mm-hmm. we just don't see it as much. Mm-hmm. It does happen throughout. Yes. 
Overall, I would say I like all of them interacting with each other the yes. most. It's just so hard to choose. <laughs> yes, it's hard to pick a favorite, but they are all so good. Again, they're all good reasons why you should watch it. Yes. <laughs> so that you can find out all the good things about all the different characters and how they all have their own redemption. So good. Would you expand more on how they all have their own redemption? <laughs> That's very intriguing. So the concept of a redemption arc is they're not necessarily evil, right? But they have a crippling weakness mm. or it's like their weak spot. Some aspect in their life that they cannot conquer. Mm. So for like Zuko, obviously his redemption arc is from finding himself, rediscovering his honor. And like Sokka is kind of, in the beginning, he's very annoying. He, he does not have a very high opinion of women. <laughs> um, hence why he's like, you should, Katara, you should wash my socks and fix my pants. Only for the first three episodes. <laughs> yes. Yes, and like when he first meets Suki, he's like, "You guys are just girls. You can't do anything." <laughs> but by the end of it, you have this person who very much is like, "I know what ladies can do, and I respect that." And he finds his own. He's no longer insecure because of how his father leaves, and he goes more into his identity of like, "What does a a responsible male do in situations like this?" He learns to sacrifice instead of from moving from a position of how could you sacrifice me and leave me behind? He goes on to now I understand what it means to sacrifice for the greater good. Wow. <laughs> so, so that's like Sokka. And then you have A, who was running away. The whole reason he was trapped in the ice was because he was running away from his responsibilities. Like you're taking away everything I've ever loved. You just want me to be the avatar, which is something I never wanted to be. And by the end, you have him facing down the Fire Lord. And even though he doesn't want to kill yet, like Fire Lord, the whole conflict is towards the end. He's like, do I have to kill him? Why do I have to kill him? But I don't want to kill him. But he's going to like destroy the whole universe. And by the end, he d- finds his own path where he faces confrontation. Like he faces hard decisions and he makes his choice. Not according to what everybody tells him, but according to what he knows as right. He goes from somebody who runs away to somebody who faces problems heads mm-hmm. off. And then takes it on himself and makes his own choice to yes. deal with. Yes, he accepts the burden of responsibility. Which is also a weakness of airbenders because they yes. like to play yeah. and freedom. And then you have like Katara, <laughs> the classic, you know, oh, you killed my mother. And by the end, she's like, revenge is not the way. Mm-hmm. So good. I think how meaningful it is, is like how you can pick up stuff from it, even no matter how many times you watch it, no matter what Mm -hmm. age you are, the life lessons you can pick up, is part of the reason why Avatar is such a good series. Yes, I feel like when I'm different ages, Mm -hmm. I notice different things in it, Mm -hmm. and I maybe take away different things. Yes, yes. It's not one-dimensional, like just for kids. Like some cartoons, you can tell it's just for kids and that's it. But like you say, the way you put it is absolutely correct it's like as you grow older and you watch it you get different things from it like when you're young you watch it ooh, fun bending and then when you're a little older ooh, the character arcs you're invested in the characters and then maybe like 10 years down the road i'm not there yet maybe you'll be intrigued by the socio-economic uh, commentary that it is <laughs> on politics or something <laughs> because they have maybe i'm getting older but they have some of that because you know and um the earth kingdom there is they, no they, war. They, they, They're brainwashing their people. You know, mm. like Lake Lao guy. 
Although those are, I guess it's hard to say if it was really the the creator's intention to make、mm-hmm. it a commentary or just a reflection of some real world things that happen. That's true. As as a function of art, you can always read it in different、mm-hmm. ways. Like you can read it as a commentary. Yeah, I I think you're right in that they might not have intentionally like made it that way, but because it is well done, because、mm-hmm. it incorporates parts of reality. Unintentionally, people can pick up on ooh, like what are the things from real life that have been incorporated into their subconsciously. The overall, very rich. Yes, so good. <laughs> oh, just now when talking about character arcs, you、mm-hmm. didn't mention Toph. Oh, yes. Although I feel like, at least in my impression, Toph's arc didn't really、mm-hmm. move as much as、mm-hmm. the others. But at the same time, that kind of fits her character too, like as a representation of Earth, the the unchanging element. It's true. It kind of fits that she wouldn't undergo as much change.、Mm-hmm. Yeah. Although she does still grow, but、mm-hmm. just it's not、mm-hmm. as drastic as like Zuko's. <laughs> not. <laughs> <laughs> You're right, Toph. Sometimes I tend to forget about Toph because that is very much who she is. In terms of Earth, it's just kind of there. It's pretty steady, changing. But if we think about how she starts off, her parents think she is completely helpless. They're poor, blind baby daughter.、Mm-hmm. She can't do anything, you know. And she just hides from her parents, and she instead goes and has the secret identity of the champion <laughs> of this earth-bending wrestling ring. And even when she first joins the group, right, she is rebellious. We're going to go、mm. cause trouble. Yeah, yeah, and very just solitary. Yeah, not just independent. Yes, she is like a lone wolf figure.、Mm-hmm. Like I can do it on my own. I don't need you because that's how she grew up. But you see how by the end she is prepared to die in the process of fighting the、um, airships. Yeah, actually, she comes to value、um, her friends. Like one of the key questions being, like, do you really believe that friend? You can be friends for、um, more than one life. Yes, and so it's like you have somebody who goes from being a very severe lone wolf causing trouble to somebody who does care about friends. They have become her family,、mm. which is sweet. Very sweet. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have a favorite episode? And why? Oh boy! <laughs> I need to think about that. Do you have a favorite episode? Okay, I think. <laughs> um, Zuko alone. Yeah, <laughs>、mm. because I think initially, just I feel like it's very. Unexpected and daring of the、mm-hmm. creators to make a, such a choice, like、mm-hmm. an episode that doesn't even include your main characters at all and、mm-hmm. focuses only on this sort of who at that point is still mostly a secondary、mm-hmm. villain figure.、Mm-hmm. Do you want to mildly just rehash the episode? Oh yes, of course. Luko left Iro and、mm-hmm. was wandering with the ostrich horse in the Earth Kingdom.、Mm-hmm. He goes to this very poor town and gets taken in by this quite poor family. He forms a bit of a report with the young child of that family,、mm-hmm. 
and towards the end, he helps them deal with Earth Kingdom soldiers who were robbing from their own people.、Mm-hmm. And also throughout the episode, he was having flashbacks to his own childhood and family.、Mm-hmm. And then towards the end, he reveals his identity、mm-hmm. and was more or less chased out by the village. I liked the tone of it too. I felt like it was a bit more mature than usual.、Mm-hmm. So we do still get some humor. <laughs> it just has a really good balance of writing. Again, I really like the parallel storylines,、mm-hmm. the flashbacks intersecting with current events,、mm-hmm. and then how how you can find similar elements in the flashbacks and the events. I、mm-hmm. think there was one part where the Earth Kingdom family heard that their son had been captured.、Mm-hmm. And then in the flashback, it was Zuko receiving news of his cousin、mm-hmm. who died, and, and I just felt without being like really obvious and outright stating stuff, it was able to show us kind of insights into this character's、mm-hmm. psyche, and it also just has this very intriguing political plot going on in、yeah. the flashbacks with how Ozai came to power and.、Mm-hmm. How how Zuko and Azula grew up, which、yeah. was rather important in helping us consider who they can be, who they have become. Yeah, who they have become also. <sighs> A lot of the art and imagery is so cool. I、mm-hmm. think there was、um, in the end he rides on a horse towards the sunset. <laughs> <laughs> uh, also, also the washed out tones、yes. of the flashbacks.、Yeah. Also, seeing the perspective of the common people, the、mm-hmm. Earth Kingdom villagers who are suffering,、mm-hmm. and and the moral ambiguity, the added complexity of seeing it's not just Fire Nation evil, Earth Kingdom good.、Mm-hmm. There's also people in the Earth Kingdom who do bad、yeah. things. The bittersweet ending,、mm-hmm. I feel like, also has a lot of staying power, and it really makes you think about how the war affected everyone. Yes, I guess that one just overall leaves the greatest impression on me. Yeah, wow, that is really good description and summary of why that was such. Phenomenal episode. One I think that I did not appreciate as much as I should have when I was younger. <laughs> wow, I think <laughs> mine not so thoroughly like broken down. I like it for fairly shallow reasons. Is because <laughs> it's the jailbreak episode. Oh, <laughs>、uh, the first one, the second one, or both? The oh, <laughs> you know, I remember it as one episode. Can I consider it one? <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> I love how. It's a classic, like jailbreak. You know, you try to escape from prison. Like, there's the fun in that. I think why I remember it is that moment of the brink of either hope or despair.、Mm. That moment when he thinks he's come all this way and he's risked everything, and his father's not here.、Mm. And then that moment when he's like, "You come out." Father steps forth. I think for me, just that single moment is what I remember. The potential unknown. You just never know if it's going to give you something that you hope so much for, or it's just going to be. And if they just came all this way and got into all this extreme danger for nothing. <laughs>、oh. Yes, but it's also one of those fun episodes where it's like bonding between Sokka and Zuka, the bro bonding <laughs> time. 
Yeah, because up to this point, what is it? Is it they've been chased by Zuko, mm-hmm. he's the fire prince, they hate him, and he became good. But you know, you still have a bit of that reserve, suspicion. Mm-hmm. And then I feel like this episode was how Zuko and Sokka became very much on the same page. Mm-hmm. They come to respect each other, work together. There is no more. They accept each other as bros and companions. <laughs> the brotherhood. <laughs> yes. I think it's just a fun episode. It is. And I, I do like the Sokka and Zuko friendship. <laughs> my, my girlfriend turned into the moon. <laughs> That's right. Too good. Yes. And it's also in this episode where it's like, Ming and Tylee take up their take up their stand against the Zula and it's just like, yes that moment was so well written but also very shocked it's like oh! yes. <laughs> it's also kind of like a minor arc for their part mm-hmm. where May chooses to stand up against and act shows that she actually cares about something because she's always like whatever you can totally do whatever you want mm-hmm. and instead she's taking up a stand she's betraying her country to save the one that she loves Okay. I'm also just a sucker for jailbreaks. There's so many good episodes, it's just hard to choose. I, I also really like that one, and I felt like the action in, mm-hmm. in the jailbreak episode was super well done. Yes. When they were fighting on the gondolas. Yes. Just the different pairs fighting together <laughs> and the different kinds of fights. Yes. Also, cool. also, one of the more memorable scenes in the fighting during the jailbreak was. Suki just flying up three levels of stairs. Yeah. Like, like, not even stairs. She's flying from like She's balcony to balcony. On bare walls. <laughs> and then Sokka's dad is like subconsciously like Sokka, I approve of this girl that you like. <laughs> I also like the Sokka Zuko friendship too, because Sokka's a naturally very suspicious person. And especially protective of the younger kids like Katara and others like he's the man and then he has to protect them and take care of them which is the duty that his father left with him but he grows to change he also probably don't really have a person to share the burden with or Um, or a person who's he doesn't know another boy his age mm. probably because when we see their village it's all the babies (laughs) (laughs) yes I guess it's not quite shown in the episode, but uh, when you think about their stories, mm-hmm. it seems like they would understand each other a lot. They both have like very talented younger sisters. Ah, and, you are right! <laughs> and just, yeah, there's a lot of potential for friendship there. It's true! Like, even though they have very different fathers, they both mm-hmm. have, like, absent father figures. They mm-hmm. both need to take up the mantle of responsibility and either protect their honor or, like, regain their honor. They feel like they have to prove themselves. Mm-hmm. Which is true. And you're right. I guess I always thought, I always feel like Katara and Sokka are the same age. But you're, you're right. He probably feels like, I'm older than you, so I have to take care of you. And Zuko is older than all of them. I read one commentary before where it was saying, wow, the Zuko must have been low-key disappointed when this group that has flouted his efforts to capture them for so long, once he joins them, he realizes that they're just a bunch of kids <laughs> playing around. I might have read the same <laughs> Yes. So... Yeah, you're, wow, that's true. Saga has somebody to share the burden and like help manage them. 
What are your favorite parts of the world building in Avatar? Or what are some of your favorite locations? Ooh. Okay, so I feel like we've talked quite a bit about world building mm-hmm. and about how it takes from reality. Yeah. I personally, I just have a preference for the more idyllic, like older lifestyle, like days when you have more villages instead of cities, when you have more of the rural instead of the electronic. That's also part of why I prefer Avatar to Korra. No, no. <laughs> and that's a discussion for a bit later. So I love that it's so quaint and it's so down to earth in the world building. Um, and it's so thorough. Mm. Right? You don't just see a few cities and that's it. You have see the journey, whole journey from oceans to tunnels to <laughs> valleys. You get a very comprehensive view of what the world is like. There's a lot of cool places in the world we got to see. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Another one of the questions on like the which bender are you? But it's so funny. One of them was like, would you rather live in the inside of a non-active volcano? <laughs> Would you live in the great city of Ba Sing Se? Would you like to live in the North and South Pole, surrounded by ice and snow? (laughs) So obvious. But as I mentioned it, I have to say, I am in awe of the air temples. Like, the ones that are high up, great. But then the one that really made me just go, wow, I've never thought an air temple could be like this is the one that hangs upside down. The the Western air temple. Yes! It's just beautiful and so very... It's like a good combination of what could be in real life, but it's just not. It's mesmerizing. I I love the Western Air Temple. It just looks so cool. Mm -hmm. And it's not impossible for those people who Mm -hmm. who happen to live there, Mm -hmm. the air nomads, and they can just defy gravity. Yes. It's not necessarily majestic. But I do think it leaves a mild feeling of awe. Mm, definitely. Everything yeah. else we have. We have mountains, we have oceans, we have deserts. But the Western Air Temple. The moment in the episode when you first see it, I was so cool. Yes. Again, like just the cinematography in um, mm. Avatar. Like we talk about cinematography in real life. How do you film it? The frames that you choose to do the storytelling. But the fact that it's an animation and they still do such a good job. The, the composition mm-hmm. and some framings. Mm-hmm. Just the way they yeah. approach the scenery or the angle that they choose. Like, this is partially because Asbury is a media comp school. So, at, at like Asbury, the college I went to, one of the biggest majors is media comp. Like, they'll send students to help with filming at, like, the Olympics. It's a huge oh. thing. And so, you have a lot of media comp people. People whose homework and assignments are filming shows, filming a short video. Like, you have to find your own actors, you have to write the script by yourself, you have to come up with the, um, oh, what do you call it? Like, when you draw frame by frame kind of the scene the that you want. Storyboard? Storyboard, yes, thank you. And so you have people who, when you watch movies with them, they will comment on the cinematography. Oh. And so, like, because of that, I have, like, an awareness of the angles that are chosen, how long they stay on a single frame, or how they pan from person to person. And the mm-hmm. cinematography in Avatar is great. Oh, that's so cool. <laughs> but I think we can universally appreciate like the reveal moment and that we recognize it's a great scene. So I 
I find the spirit world really cool. You're right. <laughs> Just um, the it definitely feels otherworldly, and、mm. there's always the sense of e- eeriness、mm. or a bit frightening aspect to it. Just because it's so strange, and and the colors they use are、yes. all different, right? And the trees are gnarled and <laughs> a wonky, <laughs> <laughs> but just、um, how starkly it's set apart from the human world. Like the spirits really have their own rules and ways、mm-hmm. of doing, but they still interact with、mm-hmm. the human world in certain ways. I just thought that setting was super cool, and how they incorporated into the story sometimes, like with、That's、the、true. the library.、Oh, yes, the design of the library also is, looks so awesome. Yes, it's yeah. I completely forgot about the spiritual world, like the spirit world. Like that's a huge world building <laughs> section right there. Wow, the library was one of those classic. You know, for example,、um, in say Indiana Jones or MacGyver, when they discover a lost civilization, and you realize、mm-hmm. how much of what is lost, even though like technology was not necessarily advanced in those ages, but they were able to achieve the scope and the、uh, magnificence that they were able to portray and reach, and how、mm-hmm. that is lost.、Mm-hmm. And so when we reach the library, it's kind of like. Wow! There was once a huge civilization. There's so much knowledge. There is awe. There is wonder, and then you have it all disappear underground because of human greed. A lot of respect for how much balancing the spirit world and the real world without making it feel jarring.、Mm. They interact very effectively. And yes, I guess we already talked a lot about what how the different elements have different aspects to them、mm-hmm. and represent different things. Those are also just really fun to me to see、um, new associations being made with、mm-hmm. each of the elements and and see how they expand. I guess because later on we have metal yes, bending yes.、Uh, and we lightning bending, lava bending. Oh, lava. <laughs> I'm not sure how I feel about that, <laughs> but yeah. So just it's just so fun to see, and、mm-hmm. also actually how the do you know that the bending, different kinds of bending are based on different martial arts forms. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. I found that so cool because、mm-hmm. they chose each form based on their characteristics. Like Tai Chi is more flowy, and they they chose it for water, and then、mm-hmm. like. Bakwa was the circular movements,、mm-hmm. and、uh, just yes for fire and earth, just based on their characteristics. Yes, that is such a small detail,、mm-hmm. but it adds so much to the storytelling. Yes, and and even just the, it's also just the experience of watching it. The action scenes、mm-hmm. look so cool. Yes, like they're not just made up, but they're actually based on martial arts. It's also fun because as the episodes go on, you realize how,、uh, for example, like Katara picks up earth bending style moves. <laughs> <laughs> Those are the best details. So small, but shows so much in how they grow and learn from each other. Yes, again, one of the reasons. Like, it's just Avatar is one of those you can keep on rewatching and pick up new details.、Mm-hmm. For example, it's like you would never notice it the first time. And also, like how Zuko picks up 
very like water money styles when he's fighting Azula. Yes, that part. Small details, but so good for the world building and storytelling. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I also like that Top just has an entirely independent style. Yes, just from looks all the awesome. other Earthbenders. <laughs> it's so interesting that they chose. Like the reason that she bends differently is like because she picked it up from battles, like from mm-hmm. animals instead of from human instructors. It's like all the different options they could have chosen to write Toph that this is what they chose. And for Toph, even though she's blind, and typically in stories that is seen as a weakness, like in Avatar, it is not a huge factor. Mm. It is mentioned humorously, for example, you know, <laughs> when they write a letter. <laughs> Fabricate a letter from Toph, but she keeps blind, so she can't write. Sokka <laughs> and um, Aang completely forgot. Yes! I, I think I also forgot that I was watching. I was, I was thinking, oh, this could work, and then... <laughs> Yeah. It's just, I, I just, it's so much detail, so much thought. Like, even into what you mentioned, her bending style is different mm-hmm. because she picked it up from the original Earthbenders versus the human version. And also, Toph's blindness. Yes, like you said, it isn't portrayed as a weakness, but they also don't ignore it. Mm-hmm. Like, they, they do sometimes. Um, show where it might hinder her or mm-hmm. like maybe when she's dangling from the airship she couldn't see anything so just this very very good balance of being true to the fact that it is a disability while while also not portraying it as a, a weakness mm-hmm. or something to be ashamed yes yeah they even have um like we have the kid in the wheelchair, but he can fly. Oh yes, uh, and you have um, like the misfits, uh, Pipsqueak and Jet and his crew mm-hmm. of like almost like the Neverland Lost Boys. That's what they feel yes. like. Very People who so. don't fit and have an ambition, but they aren't a functioning part of society necessarily. You also have the commentary on like okay, the benders versus the non-benders, which doesn't appear in Avatar so much. But more in Korra. Mm. It's, yeah. But like Toph, I think, is the most pivotal and well-known, subtle inclusion of, you know, people who have disabilities and struggle with that, but don't necessarily make them a hindrance. Mm-hmm. I feel like there were more, but I can't remember them off the top of my head. There's so much to talk about if you're like that. To really delve in and break every episode down would take. Hours and hours. hours. <laughs> yes, I guess we can dive into some analysis. We've done so much of that. We can continue anytime. <laughs> so, I mean, on the surface, Avatar has a kind of a simple and straightforward goal, right? Hero mm-hmm. has to defeat villain or mm-hmm. world ends. Yes. How, like, what makes its story compelling and exciting to you despite the goal or mm-hmm. or actually do you even feel that it's simple at all? Mm. Good question. 
I feel like part of why we return to these kind of story plots because there's so many stories where it's like single person along with a group of friends saves the world. So many books have that plot. You have a lot of uh, plot points where it's like hero saves the day because we love stories that have hope. It's a universal truth that we will always return to that even in times of difficulty, we look for hope. We look for people who will help us. Um, and I think because of that, even though it is commonly used and it is simple, it is still a classic and timeless plot. But what differentiates a good book or a good show from a bad show is the storytelling. It's the process, right? Mm -hmm. It's like the journey. Is it just, okay, this person did not think about the journey at all and just wrote it down just to get to the end point. Like, it is merely a means to an end. Or is the process of saving the world a story in and of itself? Mm. The journey more than the destination, right? Mm. And I think Avatar does that phenomenally well. <laughs> Phenomenal. You never find yourself thinking, oh, when is the show going to end? When are they going to save the world? Are they done already? When are they going to reach an end point? And you don't necessarily feel that any episode is just, this is just a filler episode and we didn't need it at all. Every episode shows and reveals glimpses of like insight into the characters or into the story or into the world. Mm -hmm. Storytelling is great. So the plot may be simple, but the journey and the process Oh, you said it so well. <laughs> I, I think it's also, it's after having read so many books, because I love reading, right? Mm. And when you love reading fantasy, it's not a huge genre. Mm. Like, there are a lot of books, but a lot of them tend to be very similar. And when you read a lot, they all feel similar, so you figure out, you differentiate why you like certain ones and why you didn't. And it's the same with movies. Mm. So many Marvel movies, so many superhero movies. What makes one good and what makes one bad? Sometimes kids' shows do it better. <laughs> I'm totally not biased. <laughs> what would you think? I think like you said, it really focused on the journey. So when I was uh, watching, I didn't even really think about the end goals. Mm -hmm. Honestly, it's, it takes you place to across the world and yes I think it's how it kind of really entwines its plot with its character and world development so it doesn't it doesn't always have to have something new going on mm -hmm. but it can it takes you mm -hmm. to kind of see the world mm -hmm. from place to place and and meet new people like secondary characters mm -hmm. who all have their stories mm -hmm. who who feel um, independent and also just adds a lot of richness so it's never it never feels straightforward because mm -hmm. you your view of how things exist in the mm -hmm. world keeps expanding and the characters keep finding new ways to interact with each other and mm -hmm. forming new connections mm -hmm. and it just like maybe even without the end goal, it would have been so fun to to see people going around in the world and doing things, doing small things. So I feel like yeah, that just makes the story always fun to follow. Yes, that is precisely it. Because I think nowadays a lot of, especially with okay, American 
media. Like we were talking about Great British Baking Show, right? Versus American <laughs> cooking shows. With a Great British Baking Show, it's very like, oh, quaint. Oh, your pie. Like, what happened? <laughs> they help each other. No drama. You're there to watch the baking, watch the process. With American shows, it's all about the drama. Something big has to be happening. There is conflict, competition. There's a lot of emotional turmoil. And I think so, for, why, why that happens is they think that the audience will be bored if there isn't drama. And I think that is primarily the difference. In Avatar, it leans more towards the more uh, like great British Bake Off like, perspective. It doesn't keep on throwing areas and moments of conflict at you. Mm-hmm. Um, even though there are always things happening, it never feels like, ooh, we just came off of one roller coaster, we immediately have to go on another. Mm-hmm. You have a good like progression of ups and downs, moments of peace versus moments of like tension, mm-hmm. peak. They have a very good balance of having action not for the sake of action, but to progress the plot. Mm-hmm. And you're exactly right, because if they didn't have moments where you met the side character, where they didn't make the world richer, the world of Avatar would not feel like it, the world building has been done so well. Mm-hmm. Right? And what you said reminded me of something. I think I, like you mentioned, all those fast-paced and dramatic mm-hmm. stories. I think Avatar differs in that it, um, it respects the personal journeys mm-hmm. each character has to go through and mm-hmm. there was that one episode where they're just learning how to earth it right and and the story is just about Aang feeling it difficult to to settle down and accept this kind of new kind of personality or philosophy mm-hmm. that's so different from his own yeah and in the grand scheme of things it is a I guess a small conflict right it's just an internal mm-hmm. um, conflict but the show respects that and it gives us these little, maybe more mundane moments. And it uh, allows us to see the characters go through them. Yes. And those just small moments are more peaceful, like you said. The stakes aren't super high, mm-hmm. but they're still very compelling mm-hmm. and important. Like it's treated as important by yes. the show. It's like the beach episode where Zula, Tai, Mei, Zuko, they go home to the beach. <laughs> like, we could comment that it may not be the most epic episode, but <laughs> if nothing else, it was very interesting. <laughs> it, it gives us views into Azula. Mm, not my favorite Not at all. Actually, there was debate, uh, like debate between how I would treat it Azula versus Zuko. Oh, I think I've seen. So, spoilers: it's Azula is Zuko's younger sister. She's phenomenal firebender, very ambition driven. Reminds uh, Fire Lord Ozai of himself almost. Mm-hmm. Whereas Zuko is more peace loving. He's more like his mom. Like he's more genuine, sincere, compassionate. Thing is, so Zuko. Even though he's been banished, he's always supported by Uncle Iroh, right? Mm. Even when Zuko lost sight of himself, like, well, un- Uncle Iroh was worried that Zuko had lost sight of himself, but he never gave up on Zuko. Like, mm. even when Zuko was angry, bitter, Iroh was always there to support Zuko and to be there for him and give him advice. 
um, and care for Zuko. And it's very interesting because Iroh's comment on Azula after one of the episodes where they were fighting is that Azula is crazy and needs to be put down. Mm. Which is, some people will say that's very unlike Iroh. Mm. Maybe he sees, because Azula, why is she crazy? Why is she like, part of it mm. might be ingrained personality. But if you think about it, it's also not helped by the fact that she has mom issues because her mom doesn't really like her very much, right? Because she's so much like her father. And her father only really cares for her because she's so excellent at everything she does. Mm-hmm. And the moment she starts to fail, her father doesn't care for her. Yeah. He sees her as a pawn. So some people will comment, if Azula had love and guidance, she might have not have turned out this way. Mm-hmm. Which is like, interesting. I wouldn't say, yeah, I wouldn't say Azula is a character I would personally like, but but she's very fascinating to me. I think just how she sees the world and, and like you mentioned, how mm-hmm. she became who she is. Yes. Um, in, in the episode you mentioned, there's, there's one very crucial line that kind of reveals mm-hmm. her perspective on the world, right? And May tells her... Um, I love Zuko more than I fear you. Mm-hmm. So, so it kind of shows that Azula, also I guess the finale, Azula only really knows fear yes. and control, and mm-hmm. she doesn't really know um, what what it's like to love others. Mm-hmm. And maybe she even sees the control as love, because because the way her father treats mm-hmm. her is also through kind of through fear because mm-hmm. she sees that uh, failing equals punishment from how Zuko was treated mm-hmm. so that gives uh, her pressure to be a certain way and, yes. and I guess she probably has some natural tendencies that yeah. are not helped by <laughs> Oda's parents uh, yes it's even who she considered who she considers friends mm-hmm. it's not true friendship like, she might consider Ty Lee and May her friends or, like, companions, but she really coerced Ty Lee into joining her in, like, controls way. It's just very sad. Like, honestly, if you think about it, she's a very sad character. Mm. But she's also completely unhinged. Yes, <laughs> and, and cruel and etc. Yes. So it could be one of those, you know, like, Frankenstein versus Dr. Jekyll and Hyde philosophies. Mm. Is she who she is because of how she was born, or is it because of how, like, her growing environment? Mm. I think just in that situation where Iroh stays that life, mm. I personally feel like it's kind of justified because they're they're literally running away yeah. from her. She's yeah. trying to kill them. <laughs> She's just like severely wounded Iroh. Yeah. And um she's insane. Just it's it is not the time to get along with her. Yes. Maybe when she was younger mm-hmm. she had the support and other influences mm-hmm. other than Ozai. But in that moment it, it just wasn't the time. Yes. And Azula kind of enjoys being in power, so yeah, she's like you're not going to convince her to. Mom is sadistic in that sense. <laughs> I personally, I personally haven't read the comics, 
But from what I hear, mm-hmm. the comics that continue the story after book three is that there is a mild redemption arc for Azula. Hmm. I haven't actually read it, so I don't know for sure, but that's what they say. I've read the comics, and I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say it's a redemption arc, but um, we do get a, a bit more closure, I guess, mm. a, a bit more insight. But we don't get a definite answer. Okay, good to know. I guess we also um, talked a little about this already. Uh, do you have any more thoughts on character development? Or how does the show make you care about the character? I think we've talked about most of the character developments. And you've also very much portrayed like how you know, you're invested in the characters. <laughs> from the revealing of the backstory. From re- seeing like where their motivations come from. And why they are who they are. I think I'll, I'll talk a little bit about... I just feel like Avatar portrays flaws and strengths really well. The characters like all have individual flaws, but mm-hmm. also strengths, and and the flaws make them come into conflict with each other. Mm-hmm. So there, they have to learn to be a team. They have to learn to work with each other, mm-hmm. and it's not just something that happens or. They, you have to get along because the world ends. Yes. I think just seeing those flaws and mm-hmm. things that actually hinder them and they have to work to overcome was quite compelling. But also, like, they get to shine in different situations. Mm-hmm. And maybe one episode, uh, this character is shines. The other episode, it's mm-hmm. another character. That, yes. Actually, that is probably, you know, the angst that <laughs> that is like hard for me to like sometimes sit through because you know because when you're younger you go through those you're learning how to get along with your friends you're learning how to talk to conflict with people you have to get along with but you may not necessarily like and that is what happens to the team when they're first put together right that is as you say the flaws and that's true it is one of the encouraging messages of Avatar that I had forgotten that it's like, even despite your flaws, people love you. Mm. And they will help you. Like that one episode where they, Aang and Katara and Sokka, they meet up with their father's friend. Oh, the Bato? Bato, yes. And then they go through the, like, the coming of age ceremony for Sokka where they have to go through this, navigate a ship through mm. a very rocky region. And... Aang, at that time, he was feeling left out and abandoned because Katara and Sokka and Bato are talking about all these things from their childhood, and he tries to join in, but he can't because he wasn't part of their his- like uh, shared history. Mm-hmm. And so in the moment of insecurity, when the messenger brings the message saying, oh, their father is at this location, he hides it. Mm-hmm. And you're watching, and you're just like, no, don't do it, no, yes. <laughs> And then when you when it, when they find out, of course they're mad. They feel betrayed, and they're like, "You can go save the world on your own. We are going to go look for our dad. Mm-hmm. Like, how could you do this to us?" But, but after they depart, Sokka and Katara they come back. They're like, "We can abandon him. We have to help him." Like, and despite this act of betrayal, like major betrayal to them, like, 
Angus hiding their father's whereabouts, mm -hmm. and they've wanted to look for their father for so long. Major betrayal! But despite that, they still forgive him and they come back mm -hmm. because he is in danger and they want to help him. And it's just... <laughs> Such a message of encouragement is that even despite what we do, even though it may not feel like it, we deserve forgiveness. We deserve like friends or family who will help us and love us despite our worst parts. And mm -hmm. Avatar does that really well. You're completely right. You, you mentioned the angst. And yes, it's so frustrating <laughs> to see Aang hiding Because <laughs> you just know they're going to make... Uh, he's making a terrible mistake. <laughs> but, but I guess when I think about it, the Avatar characters are kind of more justified than most to have those moments, right? Because Aang literally lost all of his people, mm -hmm. and if Sokka and Katara also leaves, mm -hmm. he literally would be entirely alone. Yes. And I, I guess for me that makes it a little more understandable mm -hmm. why he would do something yeah. like this, even though it's a, a bit mm -hmm. frustrating to watch. I mean, they all have such really sad backstories. Honestly, though, they all have tragic backstories. Man. But it, it's... I think it's part of growing up, because part of growing up is learning to control your emotions, mm -hmm. right? Learning to be more rational and, like, think first, act later. Mm -hmm. But we all resonate with the times when we were younger, when we... It was, like, all we could... Do was react to our emotions. We had so much emotions, so many, and our we don't have the we're not old enough, or we haven't learned enough how to like control our actions or act for the greater good, and we act more in impulse. And that is part of the angst, I think, of watching ang angst. Haha. <laughs> I think that's why it's harder to sit through Avatar, um, because you like for me. And probably for my sister as well. It's like we have reached a point where it's like, yeah, you have your emotions, but you still have to do the right thing. And we have gotten so accustomed to that that when we go back and rewatch what we watch as kids, or we haven't reached that point yet, like kids haven't reached that point, it's just <gasps> so hard to sit through. But you're right. That is exactly what makes it so. It, all their actions are very understandable. Very understandable. And it's so human. Yeah. Another reason why Avatar is a very good show for kids to watch. <laughs> Conflict management and resolution. I'm probably maybe not quite there yet, so I don't I don't yet feel very strongly that the conflicts yeah. are hard to settle. It's I think this is also why it's good for adults to watch animations. Mm. Because at the end of the day, animations will still include more like emotions for kids, mm. you know. For example, so-called angst in Avatar. And if I were to completely lose touch with animations, I would completely forget that I used to struggle with those things. Yes, actually, even right now, it's hard to remember what I felt like when I was 14, 15, mm -hmm. even though it's just a, a while ago, really. But important stuff stories. Yes. 